All right, people, if you've managed to stick with us this long, you're still in Can't Hurt Your Own Risk, number, episode number 40, uh, where we are now into part eight of our Nightmare on Elm Street franchise marathon. We are, we are now discussing the offshoot that we almost didn't slip in, but we finally decided to. Freddy vs. Jason from 2003. Kevin, take it away. Yeah, so Freddy vs. Jason... 2003, directed by Ronnie Yu, written by Damian Shannon and Mark Swift. This is the highest grossing one at $116 million. And uh, the opening of the movie, like on my Blu-ray DVD, I honestly thought that it was a trailer for like the entire series because I know they like came out with the series at that point. So I didn't really... I didn't even realize that I was watching, uh, watching the movie uh, for some reason. I really, I've, I've really liked this one. This is definitely on a top five for me. I remember when I first saw it, I worked at the mall and uh, at Spencer's in two thousand three in uh, Goodlitzville, Tennessee, and it seemed like. It was just a big mall, like merchandise cash grab of, of a movie. And when I did finally see it, I wasn't really that impressed with it. Um, and I don't think I've seen it again since, uh, until, uh, like yesterday or the day before. Uh, the movie starts out the long awaited Freddy versus Jason, uh, it starts out where you're, following Jason Voorhees and it just seems like it's another Friday the 13th movie and and then we get Pamela Voorhees who I actually thought the woman they got was so good that I actually thought it was the original woman from the the first Friday the 13th yeah it's not not Betsy (laughs) it's 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 not but it but it was pretty but it but it was you know it's been a while since I've seen that yeah. She was really good. Like a really good choice. And then uh and then you realize that it turns into Freddy Krueger as the mom and Freddy is manipulating Jason into killing um well I guess he manipulates him into going back to Springwood from Camp Crystal Lake. Kent, do you know where Camp Crystal Lake is supposed to be? Uh, I okay. believe it's Jersey. So that's a little <laughs> that that road trip alone is 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 a movie unto itself. I'm sure. Um. So yes, we're back at 1428 Elm Street, the original house from the first film and many other. Uh, and it's a Friday the Thirteenth movie at the house from Elm Street. It's uh, and starts off with the first kill is the beer in hand after after sex um classic uh Friday the 13th uh and it kind of in a way reminds me of Freddy's revenge except instead of Jesse it's Jason that Freddy kind of like possesses and um it's pretty cool I, I really like this a lot. I like 
I liked the, all of the, the Jason killings. I guess the one thing in retrospect, there is a lot of deaths in this, but Freddy doesn't really do a lot of them. Or there's the dream sequence. But there are gags in this, which I appreciate, even though there is a lot more CGI use. But the nose job magazine dream sequence with Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child. And, of course, the the Great High School Kegger Massacre. Uh, yeah, I, uh, what did you guys think of this? Go ahead, Kat. Well, I just sent you guys uh, an image. It is my oldest movie ticket to date that I have kept. Because I was there on August 15th, 2003, opening night. And it was a Friday night. And I was doing the Malarkey show at the time. And I believe we were on either... I think we were on at 8.30 or 9. I think it was 9. So, you know, you go for like the 7 o'clock showing or whatever. Whatever it was, we were going to be just barely there on time from the Johnstown Movieplex to where the old Time Warner... You guys kind of may remember where it was. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, me, Russ... Uh, I think it was me, Russ, Craig, and Ron. We all, all went... Uh, opening night, there was these idiot fucking kids in front of us that were pissing me off like I wanted to fight them, but I was in too good of a mood at that point. Uh, they weren't going to bring me down, and it was one of the best uh, theatrical experiences because everybody was kind of like happy, and uh, you know, some sometimes you get a good group of moviegoers with a good movie, and you know, it, you know. You, you guys know how it goes. Um, was it everything that I wanted it to be or hyped up in my mind to be? Well, no, but in all fairness, this movie had been rumored for uh, a fucking decade. You know, like, they they were trying to do this back in the 80s when Paramount still had, um, had, had the Friday the 13th franchise, but they wanted the U.S. distribution and give New Line the international, and New Line's like, no, fuck you guys, we have the star of this, the movie, which I would agree that New Line was right to, you know, I think Freddy's more marketable, but I could be wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, it was a magical time. There was uh, plenty of jokes. Mm, maybe a couple did not age so well. Uh, I was just reading that Kelly Rowland, like, gets picked on by, like, her friends for having done the movie role, and she's like, I got to, like, do a movie with Freddy Krueger, and I had a blast, like, and I got paid to do it. Like, you guys can insult me all you want, whatever. And I don't understand why anybody would really insult her. She looked like she had a really fun time making the movie. Uh, I don't... It looked like a really fun experience overall. Um, the only person that didn't have a great experience from what I could tell was Catherine Isabel because she'd signed like a no nudity thing on her contract. And, uh, Ronnie, you kept trying his best to make sure she would do nudity. And eventually they settled on a body double for the shower scene. Uh, but all not like, 
I just like this was the last thing I was watching right before we started this podcast, you know, fucking days ago it seems. Uh I I don't know. I still end it happy. I still I don't know. I still want to see another one. Like they obviously left it open if they really want to with the way that it ended. So I don't know. At this point in the game, I I feel like if anybody expected something super serious, they were going to be dead wrong in what they wanted. But if you were just like going to sit back, relax and just enjoy it, I don't know. There's, this was probably the, one of the funnest movies, uh, in either franchise, quite frankly. Uh, I have one nitpick. Uh, I probably have multiple ones, but here's my one nitpick that I'll address to you guys. They seem to change how Jason what was towards water. And I don't know if you guys are how familiar you are with the Friday the 13th franchise, but like I think it's part four, part seven, part eight. Jason has no problem being in the water and dragging people under. So The one that I remember seeing was the one where at the end he's getting the fucking uh, boat engine run over against uh, his yeah. face as he's okay. trying to get the people in the boat. Yeah. I th- like, I, I didn't... I, I didn't really think it was needed to like add this thing where he had like this weird water phobia thing. I, I don't know. It just that was probably the one thing I didn't care so much for, just because previous entries. Well, maybe at this I, point because he was what like buried thing. underwater. Like he breaks the chains. Was that, that number eight? Uh, so the one where he, all right, he has the. Chain and the boulder, Tommy Jarvis did that in part six. Part seven was the telekinesis girl that rose Jason up. Um, and then part eight, he is like electrocuted back to life by the couple that's on the boat. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully, <All right. laughs> like, I just watched that two weeks ago. So, thankfully, I'm a little bit on point for once. Uh, to go into my opinions of this, after rewatching the whole thing, this is my fucking number one in the series. <laughs> yeah, I fucking, I love this movie. Um, a, I love the soundtrack too. Uh, I know you were going on about number four, but this one's soundtrack is much more up my alley, according to stuff I listen to. Um, B, it's, it, the writing held up better than I expected. Um, this seems to me to be more like a Wes Craven type movie post scream than a lot of the earlier Wes Craven movies that we watched, um, in regards to the characters. Uh, I like the fact that they hook back into stuff that we haven't seen in the franchise in a while, including Weston Hills and Hypnosil. Um, Again, like my biggest complaint would be like probably like Kevin said, you know, there's a shit ton of deaths, but um, I think all of them are crossed. Yeah, by Jason. he kills uh, I Jason Ritter's friend. Does he even get a single kill in this movie? Yeah, the guy who has the brother. Yeah, and uh, even that you don't right. see because it's just like you see the claw marks on his face, like at the very the very yeah. end of it. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a lame kill, actually. But again, this was—it had a decent cast too. I mean, not not great, but 
you know, I have to look at like getting to a supporting character, you know, like the, the fat dude in the, uh, the cornfield massacre (laughs) for, for like a bad performance. You know, all of the, the main people were, were relatively well done. Even the, uh, the deputy who I've seen suck in a lot of the shit that he's done. Uh, Ritter? He's like the dad on River, Not Ritter. Riverdale. Um, Very what the hell is his name? Um, Yeah, oh, you probably like that. But um, is he? I, I haven't seen it. Is his name Lachlan Monroe? Yeah, yeah. Like I've seen, you know, I've seen him do good stuff. I've seen him do fucking shit too. So, um, but yeah, he was pretty good in this. Um, the the plotting made sense, you know, like. If we're going to look at horror collaborations, you know, compare the storyline in this to the storyline in like Aliens versus Predator, or even better, Aliens versus Predator Requiem, oh. uh, and they they actually came up with um, you know a plot that worked and made sense and was decent. The only thing that I liked better than this was I remember reading a fan fiction back in the day, and I tried to find it. I I couldn't find the specific one. I've seen a lot of others similar to it that. Uh, was basically a, a written as a sequel to to this, where in order to get Jason the hell out of here, now that you know Jason's just carrying Freddy's disembodied bald head around with him, Freddy invades Michael's nightmares in the asylum and gets him to come to uh, Springwood to to fight Jason, and Will and Laurie end up hooking up with Doctor Loomis in order to try to hunt down the three of them. It was actually really well written too. <laughs> so, but uh, the, the cool thing in that universe that they were talking about in this fan fiction was um, they were they were kind of setting up like an idea like um, uh, behind the mask did uh, that this is a world where all of those horror killers are real and they talk about you know like the the Reaper being down in Northern Florida and you know. Uh, Pumpkinhead being in the Appalachian Mountains and kind of shit. So, I mean, that was that was cool. But anyways, go ahead, Kent. Uh, just a quick question. Um, I, Chris, this is probably more for you since you are an avid reader. Uh, did you ever read any of the um, scripts that came out prior to, to this? Like the leaked attempts at scripts? Uh, I never did. I mean, um, by the point, this this was the first one actually the only one I saw in the theater. And uh, at this point, I had only seen one, three, four, five, I think, complete. Okay. Uh, It wasn't until, like, this came out while I was um, in the Army. Uh, And I had a buddy, Steve, uh, and we used to go, and we just, we were both single. We didn't have a lot of shit to do. So we would go to the movies all the time. So, um, you know, we started, you know, we saw a lot of action movies and a lot of dramas, but, you know, we would go to see horror together, too. And that was when I really started going to see a lot of horror in the theater. I'll say that one, I, back in college, you know, uh, have to go to the writing lab, I don't know how many days, because you were limited to how many pages you could print. But I went there every day in college to print up two of the scripts that were, you know, proposed and one of them had like this whole interesting introduction uh, playing off of the ending of Jason Goes to Hell because in Jason Goes to Hell you see Freddy's glove 
rise up from the ground and drag the mask down. And basically it starts off in hell. And it actually wasn't a bad script, but I don't think it would have ever looked good in visual format. It was like a good read, but, you know, sometimes good read does not translate well to on screen. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that was the case. And quite frankly, when crisscrossing two, you know, franchises, all things considered, this was a really, really, really well thought out way of bringing these two characters together. Um, and, and I mean, I know a lot of people want to see this versus the, you know, any number of things. Does any, I mean, is there any potential out there that's any, like any two characters that could be big, bigger than Freddy and Jason at this point? I don't think there is. No, I, I would, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, who is there? There's like, of like, even more like recent. I mean, like like I said with that fanfic, I think that the next person that you add is probably the third biggest, and that's Michael Myers. Ash has been discussed a lot, and he oh, would yeah, be I interesting, I think. Um, but yeah, Michael's the next in line, and if you could throw Michael and Ash somehow in there... I, I mean, see, like, for all, all we want to talk about Ash, he's, he's not superhuman. Right, and that's why you can't so, like include Ghostface in this conversation because what the fuck's Ghostface going to do? So he's going to get the shit kicked out of him by Jason and, and Michael. Yeah, you would you would think that. Uh, and I, and he's pretty fucking stupid, so he's not going to be <laughs> he's not going to out outthink Freddy. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. Like, I think you could have possibly done a Chucky versus Leprechaun back in the day when they were more popular, but now I think it would fall flat on its face. Um, especially if you can't bring back Warwick Davis, who I, I don't think is going to come back to reprise that role. I, I, I mean, he's looking think. old now. I mean, he is old, but yeah. I mean, he's, he's looking at... Well, I mean, Leprechaun, you got all of that <sighs> shit on his face. I mean, you can get like a stunt person. Yeah, uh, yeah. <sighs> like I, I didn't mind. Uh, I, I know some fans really didn't like that they didn't bring back Kane Hodder, but Ken Kersinger, who was a stunt double, and also he was a chef in Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, he was he was very good as Jason because if you go through like the first six Friday Thirteenths, and each time there's a different Jason, well. Part one obviously isn't the same, but my point is that like Kane Hodder really was a definitive Jason, but Ken did a very good job as as Jason. I thought in the later ones, did Jason have like the blue skin like he did in this? Mm, no, Jason had a lot of weird shit going on, so uh, he might have had some bluish skin in Jason Goes to Hell. I don't think he had... I don't even know what the fuck you would call it in Jason X because he was like a fucking cyborg Jason. Silver skin. Uh, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, there was a lot of good funny things, too. Like, I like the... I like when you can do a horror and add a little bit of comedy without it taking away from anything. You know what I mean? Like, so Freddy's dead. They just threw humor... 
just for the sake of it and didn't really add anything. Whereas, you know, in say part three or four, Jason or Freddie would have like a quip or two that was kind of funny and you'd be like, all right, that works. I thought that most of the stuff worked well here. Also, did you guys know that at one, there's one scene where WWE legend Rey Mysterio Jr. plays Freddy Krueger? I'm assuming it's towards the end when he's jumping around doing like the elbow drops and shit. I would have thought that too, but apparently it's no, when really? he's going after Gib uh, during the party scene. He jumps. There's like a scene where he jumps down to go after Gib, and that apparently is Rey Mysterio. I saw that. His, I saw he was no in the shit. cast, but I, didn't, awesome. I never I did any more research into that. But that makes sense. I thought he was going to be like a cameo, like they did with Six. Yeah, yeah. I thought it'd be a cameo too. And the more I read about, it, I was like, oh shit, he actually got to you know play you know the role for. <laughs> I don't even know how many seconds or anything, but yeah, it, it's just a kind of neat little footnote, I, I think. Um, I I don't even mind that Freddy didn't get shit for kills, because a lot of Jason's kills were pretty awesome, yeah. I thought. Yeah, I, I think they did Jason well, too. I liked like how he got his stinger like every time he came on, too. Yeah. I... All right, I loved. Um, they're in the van and they're de- they're debating whether to give him CPR. And Linderman's like, "I have asthma. I don't have the lung strength." And uh, Key is like, "Well, I don't want to do it." And uh, Will's like, "He doesn't have the lung strength. You gotta do it." <laughs> like that sort of shit kind of worked for me. I actually thought that was gross too. Like I was actually kind of grossed out. Like. And she didn't end up actually doing the CPR. But I remember being like, wow, this is actually gross. I mean, think about it. Like, In a good way. So she ended up trying to do it. like, And then she's dead, what, 20 minutes later, if that? So I mean, Yeah, she missed a chance for her last kiss. Um, yeah. She was on. Did we, ever, um, did we ever answer where Crystal Lake was? Jersey? Uh yeah, I'm New Jersey. Sure Jersey. Yep. So I mean, randomly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't. I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, you know, this was the Freddy that I remember everybody talking about too from when I was growing up. You know, people talking about him being funny and scary at the same time. Um, I think they did right by Jason. You know, I don't think he got shafted um again you know yeah the whole fire and water thing was kind of stupid but (laughs) yeah how creepy was it like when all the kids sat up and they were like had their eyes covered that one scene was actually genuinely good yeah i like it didn't scare me but it it was spooky enough that i was like oh like really was impressed by that because I mean, shit, how often do we get a really good spooky scene anymore? It's Especially in a slasher, you don't get it. Yeah, so, not often. Uh, I was very pleased with that. Yeah, I think the water versus fire thing, I think it was more like, I mean, if they didn't have some some sort of kryptonite for Jason, it would just be like, 
game on the entire yeah. time. I mean, yeah, yeah, have, have yeah. fun, Freddy. <laughs> so I kind of, I kind of get it. I mean, it is a little ridiculous when they're like, "Oh, he's afraid of water," but you know, water did kill him, and fire killed Freddy. So it definitely, it, that movie's so great that it could. I mean, of all the passes, I I give all the other ones. That one's a lot easier to give. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can easily overlook that and not be upset about. Yeah, and the Freddy glove through the chest was pretty awesome. Yes, it's yes. surprising. I mean, I, I love the uh, the whole stab the fuck out of the guy in the bed and then fold him up. <laughs> well, you saw the F- so they weren't originally going to do that. By the way. Uh, they had to fight to get that scene, and then when they did the test, that scene got the biggest uh, applause and buzz from the He's test. He's still holding audience. his beer. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. And then and then the other one I like a lot, too, is when um, the other kid uh, wakes up from his dream, and he's like, right, Dan? He, he looks over, and he pushes his dad's shoulder, and the head falls off, and then he turns, and Jason's right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, Blake. Yeah. I liked when uh, fucking Lori wakes up and like they're all down in the basement and like all of them approach her like they're all turning on her. It was a pretty yeah, that well was done a great scene. scene. It had like a really good uh, twist and, and like the the turn of it was was pretty good. Because then I don't ever seen Jason Ritter like maniacal. <laughs> right. It, it it just kind of it, it was like. Are they really going to do this, or is this a? You know, I I really didn't know. Like they they filmed it quite nicely. So, did I ever cool. tell you that um, my stepdad is John Ritter's cousin? I mean, I don't know if it's ever come up in one of our podcasts, considering that we normally talk about horror movies. But, uh gosh, I don't I don't know if that's ever been brought up because the only time we would have brought up John Ritter, I feel, would have been Stephen King's It or in Bride of Chucky. One of the child's play. Bride, right? Yeah, Bride of Chucky. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we, I don't think we've talked about Bride of Chucky on here, but we did talk it. So, yeah, I probably did. But I guess that would technically make his son my stepdad's cousin as well. So. Yes. That second cousin. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, and actually the same director, Ronnie Yu directed Bride of Chucky, which led him to this. I don't know. And Bride of Chucky really saved that series, too. Yeah. Like, because Child's Play 3 fucking bombed horribly. But that's a podcast for another day. Uh, but yeah, that... <laughs> All right. I think we can unanimously agree that this one was a success. Yeah. Big it was fun. actually a pleasure to rewatch. Yeah, it was it a was. lot of fun. All right, guys. Uh, we might have saved the worst for last. I think that's going to be up for interpretation. But we will be coming back with the Nightmare on Elm Street, a Nightmare on Elm Street remake from 2010 in just a second. 